everyone. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It is your favorite host, Jesse, and this is uh, your favorite show about movies and Watford FC. Uh, probably not your favorite podcast about either of those topics, but definitely your favorite podcast that involves both. Uh, today I have a very special show for you for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, you're probably going to hear some very interesting background noise in this recording, and, and that's the sound of the road, baby. Um, I'm recording this in my car while I drive home from a wedding in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, I meant to record earlier this week, and uh, we all know how good I am at recording when I mean to, and it just didn't happen, and I, I know that if I don't record it now while I have five hours of drive, uh, it just won't get done, and then I'll move on to a different movie, and I've actually got some stuff to say this time, so, you know, i got to make the most of my opportunities. Uh, I don't have as much research for you because um, I'm driving and I really shouldn't be Googling stuff while I'm driving. So we're just going to get into it. It'll be fine. I think I can wing it on some of the numbers, I guess. Um, this week I'm going to be talking about the brand spanking new, very uh, highly anticipated Jordan Peele feature from 2022. That's right. Today we're talking about Nope. Um, it has a letterbox rating of some number between 0 and 5, because that's how letterbox ratings work. Its Metacritic score is pretty high, but not as high as Get Out. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I'm almost for sure that that's the case. Um, I am very excited to talk about this movie, because there's a lot to say. Um, sometimes I'll see a movie often when I watch a movie. I'm like, yeah, that was a movie, man. I don't think I could talk for 15 to 20 minutes about it, but this movie is special in its own way. Like, there's something, there's something about it. Like, Jordan Peele, uh, he's a very hot director right now. Like, he's had three movies that he's had, that he's made come out, and they've all three been good. They've been well-received. They've been well-received by audiences. They've been well-received by critics. Like, and he's, he's working in a genre that normally doesn't, do too well with, like, critical appeal. You know, this, like, horror thriller thing does, does not generally do well with, uh, with the critics, but Jordan Peele has, has done some pretty incredible work. And this film is no different. Um, the synopsis here is that you have two ranch workers that, uh, they handle horses for movies. They experience something weird going on in the little valley that they live in, while a, a rich ex-actor who lives across the ridge uh, tries to make some money off of the weirdness going on. And if you think that my off-the-cuff synopsis was vague, uh, I guarantee you that the one that IMDb or Letterboxd or whoever will give you is no more helpful than than the one I gave you. Um, one of the things coming into this movie, for me, was that I had, like, no expectations at all. I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. Um, because his last two films have been so big, like, obviously this film was going to get a lot of hype. A lot of people were going to be very excited to see what Jordan Peele is going to do next. And, and the trailers for this film, I think, were very intentionally vague. They did not give you a lot to work with. Um, in fact, 
I could probably go back and look at the trailer now, even knowing what happens, and still be like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'd have picked that up. Like, the trailer's intentionally vague. You understand it's still going to be, like, a horror-thriller type thing. But you don't really know, like, what's supposed to be scary. Like, it, it hides a lot from you, and I think that's I think that's great. Like, very rarely anymore do I walk into a movie, whether that's a physical movie theater or, you know, streaming something at home. I, I will very rarely anymore sit down to watch a movie and just have no idea what to expect. I have no idea what the movie's about or any Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. And that was really fun. It was really fun to sit in the theater and just be surprised the whole time. It, I, I can't understate how much fun that was for me. Um, this film stars Daniel Kaluuya in the lead role as a guy named OJ. And, man, Daniel Kaluuya has... He's put in a serious shift. Uh, he's been putting in a serious shift ever since I've heard of him, I guess. I mean, that doesn't say a whole lot. But the first thing I ever saw him in was Get Out, the very first George Peel feature. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, wow, that guy is really good at what he does. And then he wasn't in Us, the second Jordan Peele feature. Uh, he went off and made this movie called Judas and the Black Messiah, where he ended up winning an Oscar. And then he comes back to Jordan Peele and puts in another really good shift. I mean, the guy can just flat out act. I don't know what it is, necessarily. Like, this role he plays is pretty understated. It doesn't feel like it would be that difficult. But the whole time, like, you can't take your eyes off of him. He's fantastic. Kiki Palmer's in this, which I didn't know she was still acting. I didn't, I, I, don't, I didn't know that she'd even been in a movie between, like, her Disney Channel days and now, but apparently she's still doing stuff. I'll tell you what, she was pretty good. She was kind of electric. Like, I mean, her character was a little annoying, but she did a good job. Like, she, she played that part well. I mean, she was very vibrant. Like, she was great. She was very good. Steven Yeun is very good. I mean, like, all the acting performances in this film are solid. Um, I think overall that's probably just the word I'd use to describe this movie. It's just, it's solid. It's just a solid movie. It doesn't do a whole lot wrong. I mean, people can argue all they want, whether or not it's, like, a great movie or not. And that's, that's mostly been, I think, the conversation behind the movie. I don't have a whole lot to say, truly, about the film, mostly about, like, I want to talk about the conversation surrounding it, I guess. Um, a lot of people are like, this has been the most mixed reaction, I guess, from a Jordan Peele movie that I've seen so far. Um, Us was fantastic. It was a Best Picture nomination. I mean, it was so good. Us, sorry, Get Out. That was Get Out. Get Out was the Best Picture nomination. Us was not as good, but it was still very good. It was, it was a lot more cerebral. It was a lot like higher concept, made it a little harder to understand. But it was still very good. Like, overall, people were like, yeah, apart from the, the weird things I didn't understand, it was very good. Like, it was, it was very thoughtfully and well-made. And I think this film follows that same trend of being very thoughtfully written and staged and acted. Like, it's, it's very intentional. Nothing shows up on the screen. It's not sloppy with anything, really. But... I think people liked this one a lot less than his other work. And I personally don't understand it. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was very, very fun. 
Um, I don't know. Like I, my the the people that I follow on Letterboxd, whether the people I actually know or they're like YouTube video essayists that I follow. This one by far had like a pretty mixed reaction. I had some people that I follow think it was like a four and a half stars, nine out of ten. Uh, a lot of eights. I saw some sixes, like two and a half. It was like some people were just like, "This is great." Some people were like, "This is not very good." I don't know what people are seeing it. And so, again, like as far as not having expectations as to what was even going to happen, I didn't have very good expectations on whether or not it was going to be super good or not. Now I think it was. And I think that Jordan Peele's intentionality with his writing, the staging, the way that things are shot, I mean, everything is well thought out. It is not, nothing is played fast and loose. Nothing is sloppy. It's just a tight, solid film. And I appreciate that. Like, I'll be honest, I've been watching some kind of lousy stuff lately, and I was kind of starting to, like, I don't know, I was kind of feeling in a rut. Like, everything I saw, I just wasn't enjoying or wasn't really loving that much. And to see a movie that was just solidly made and just, like, really, really, I mean, just solid. Very, they thought through all the writing, all the, I mean, just, it was good. It was good, it was fun, and I was like, man, this is why I like movies. I forgot about that. So, yeah, I had a positive experience. I think the thing I want to talk about most with Jordan Peele in particular is that I love the way that he can create this, like, foreboding and this menace, almost, out of very plain and normal imagery. Like, he doesn't have to use jump scares. He does, because they're effective. Because, like, that's, that's how you make, like, a thriller horror movie. you got to throw those in there sometimes. But they're proper jump scares. The music doesn't build up to them. Like, you don't see them coming. They're proper jump scares. But a lot of the scary stuff, the stuff that, like, really weirds you out, is pretty normal-looking stuff. But he finds a way to make it give this menace and this foreboding feeling. Like, there's just something about it. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, in Get Out, he, he uses the family or the friends that come over for that big dinner party, and everyone's being very kind to this one black guy at the party. And it's like, there's something weird about that. The way that they're all looking at him straight in the eyes and just smiling. They're not, like, over-smiling. It's not like, you know, it's not meant to be over-the-top creepy. It's just, like, the kind of creep you get from a normal person where you're like, you have some ulterior motive and I don't know what it is and I'm weirded out by it. There's that. Um, there's, like, the teacup and the spoon. Like, that's one of the scary parts of Get Out. And it's a teacup and a spoon, but he uses it in a really effective way that just it gets under your skin and, like, gives you the willies, man. There's something about it. something just special. Um, I don't remember Us very well, so I'm not going to, you know, say too much about it. But, like, that one built tension very well. He didn't do too much. It was like, we're just going to dress everyone up in red jumpsuits and give them scissors. And, like, why is that scary? Because it is, man. It just it just is. And it worked. It was effective. Um, I think this one, this film in particular, does a better job of the, the plain objects being foreboding. And I think a lot of that has to do with how mysterious 
and subtle he was with what was supposed to be weird or scary in this story because it was so well hidden. It was a kind of a it, it added to the tension, I guess. So like we have this opening, well the opening scene. We're, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but the first time we see like our main character OJ and his father. And OJ's working on something, and all of a sudden, like, this stuff starts falling from the sky. Where is it coming from? What is it? It's like coins and keys and stuff. And a nickel. Spoiler alert now, we're getting into the spoiler section, so just, I should probably warn you now, before I get too deep into this. If you haven't seen Nope, and you plan on it, skip ahead. There you go. A nickel falls out of the sky hits his poor father directly in the eye, goes straight through his brain and kills him. And that's how the movie starts. You're just like, oh my goodness. This is... What is going on? Like, how did... Where did the nickel come from? All this stuff, right? And weird stuff starts happening. Just, it just starts happening. And you don't really know what it is. It just, you know, it, it, it works well. One of the things in the trailer that I saw, and of course that's just the trailer... They, you, you see in the trailer these uh, the little like wiggly straw hair people that you see at like used car lots. You know what I'm talking about? They kind of like they just blow a fan up a tube. They put a little smiley face on it. It kind of like flops around. It's like a whole field of those that automatically just turn off all at once. Why is it scary? I don't know. But there's something about it that just feels foreboding. It just works. Like, there's something about it. He, he does it so well. And I think that's really nice that he doesn't have to create some, like, monster or some demon that's going to scare us. He just says, here's something that looks pretty normal that, sh- that is just a little weird. And that little bit of weirdness, that little abnormality is going to crawl under your skin and freak you out. And it works. And, and it, it, is, it is phenomenal. Um... The scene or the sequence that I think has made the biggest impact on audiences as far as, like, the conversation goes is uh, the opening sequence. Uh, It's known as the Gordy's Home Sequence. This is... You start, and it's this, frankly, gruesome uh, scene where it's, it's on the set of a sitcom, and this gorilla, this ape, whatever chimpanzee, I think it's technically chimpanzee, goes ballistic. Chimpanzee's like the star of the show. Uh, goes ballistic and like kills all of the other actors and the crew and like pretty much kills the entire studio audience except for like one kid who managed to hide. And in that sequence there is a shoe standing up on its end. Perfect like standing up. And that is where the first shot starts. It starts, and that shoe's in the middle of the frame. It's not, like, huge, but it's in the middle of the frame, prominently shown, just standing up on its end. And throughout the film, you keep coming back to this sequence, because it turns out the neighbor across the way, Stephen Hume's character, was the little boy. Beginning of the, you know, like, one of his first roles was in this television show. And so it keeps coming back. We keep seeing this shoe, and the conversation online has been, what's the deal with the shoe? Uh, Like, I've talked about Jordan Peele's intentionality. Like, everything on the screen 
is important. He's not just throwing stuff back there. It's not just set dressing. It's important. It's in the middle of the frame, and it keeps coming back. I haven't listened to it or seen it with my own eyes, but apparently the, the soundtrack to this film, the cover art for the soundtrack, is the shoe. Like, it's important. It means something. It's not just there on accident. But what does it mean? And, I mean, I'm telling you, if you Google it, you're only going to be more confused than when you see it on screen. It is... I have no idea what it is. I'm being totally honest. I'm not even going to try to, you know, give you my opinion, because I'm just really going to be talking out of my butt the whole time. Anything I say is just going to be, like, speculation. But you know what? I think that's the point. I really do think that's the point. It's, it's, it doesn't mean anything. Necessary, I'm, I'm sure, okay. It means something. Obviously, Jordan Peele had some kind of meaning tied up with the shoe, otherwise he wouldn't have put it there. But he doesn't go so far out of his way to, to describe it to you. It's the kind of object that is there to spark discussion, to keep you thinking, to keep you engaged. You know, I'm thinking of, like, other things in other movies that serve that same purpose. Think like, uh, think like the top in Inception. That is the thing that keeps showing back up and reoccurring, and that's the thing that you're, you're trying to use to create some kind of meaning behind the film, or some kind of meaning to the story. It's supposed to help you understand it somehow, and yet it's, it's vague enough so that you don't really know, and it keeps you guessing, and it keeps you talking about it and thinking about it, and, and the different interpretations for it will change the way you see the film, and it keeps it kind of keeps the film alive as a ever-changing thing as, as your perspective of that, that event, that shoe, keeps coming around. It sounds kind of dumb, but if you haven't seen the film, it's going to sound dumb. Um, I'm also thinking, like, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction kind of serves a very similar purpose, where it's like, what is it? It's a briefcase. It's technically the MacGuffin for the film. We're going to use the, the, the term Alfred Hitchcock coins. Uh, but what's in the case? Like, that's been a question forever, you know? It's like, what, what's in the briefcase? And depending on what you think's in the briefcase, it's going to, like, change the way you see the story. And it's a similar type thing where, you know, Quentin Tarantino did not go out of his way to tell us what's in the briefcase. It doesn't matter. Like, there's obviously something's in there, but he doesn't mean to tell us. It's going to help us stay engaged with it and think about the film and talk about it and it works, because here I am talking about it. So, I don't know. It's, it's just a well-made film. Um, the UFO thing was interesting. I hadn't seen a UFO film ever, really. But I think it was well-made, it was well-done, it was well-approached. Uh, yeah. I've talked for about 20 minutes now, which is... You know, that's about as long as I talk about the movie, as far as the podcast goes, but... I feel like I haven't said anything. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. But I enjoyed this film. Like, short answer, I had fun. I think it's good. I gave it four stars. Like, it is a solid film. If you haven't seen it, it's worth your time. Like, go to the theater. See it. I mean, theater tickets are expensive these days, man. I'm not going to lie to you. paid a little more than I was really expecting or kind of wanting to, to go see it. But... You know, like, that's, I think it's also important to support things with your money. You know, if, if we want movie theaters to stay alive, then we need to go to movie theaters and 
and spend our money on tickets so that people like Jordan Peele can keep making movies. You know, if his films don't make any money, then no one's going to continue to give him money to make stuff. So, have a little date night. It'll be fun. It's a fun movie, you know. It's not horribly scary, but it will keep you on the edge of your seat, and that's fun. That's, that's why you go. So, four stars, fun film, that's a wrap. Um, I haven't had luck for news for the past couple weeks. I've been trying to come up with other stuff to talk about. But boy, oh boy, we have some Watford news, guys. Guess what? How exciting is that? Last Monday, that is August 1st, was the kickoff of the uh, league championship season. And again, I'm going to keep talking about this. It's confusing because it's called the league championship, but it is the second tier of English football. It is not the best league. That's the Premier League. This is the league championship. Why is it called the championship? I don't know. But that's the league that Watford's playing in, and their season started a little more than two weeks ago. A little less than two weeks ago, because I can do math. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, I'm excited. I'm just downright excited. I, I missed having soccer in my life. It's so much fun to watch, it's just a blast. Um, they played their opening match against Sheffield United. They played it at home. I did not get to watch it because it's at 2 o'clock on a weekday, and I have a job. I was able to listen to the radio coverage, which is dope. I'm happy for that. I'll take what I can get. Uh, they played Sheffield United at home, like I said, and this is a special. This was a special event because this was played at home, and this year, 2022, marks 100 years that Watford have played at Vicarage Road, at their location, their stadium. 100 years. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. It's like a huge, huge deal. And and they won. They won 1-0 at home. Our, our young star, João Pedro, scored the goal, and that was fantastic because he's one of our players that we think is going to stick around for the season. That's the plan anyways, to keep him, develop him, sell him to somebody with more money a little bit later. Now, fortunately for right now, we're still holding on to... Emmanuel Dennis and Ismail Assar, our other two wingers and strikers, are our big offensive players, Marlins. Uh, they're still here for right now, but that's only because the transfer window is still open. So the way soccer works is um, you can buy, trade, sell players, loan them out, whatever, for a certain amount of time. Once that window closes, they're locked in. They're going to stay there until the transfer window opens up again in January. So we've got, like, three more weeks to see if we can manage. Ideally, the club wants to sell them because they're worth a lot more money than when we bought them. That's, like, the whole strategy is to buy someone cheap, develop them, let them score a lot of goals or, you know, do their thing, become valuable, and then sell them for more money so we can keep buying new players. That's the plan. Obviously, the club wants to sell the players because, frankly, playing in the championship may not be good for their value. We want to make as much money as possible. Uh, but also, I want us to score goals. And I don't know who's going to do that if those two fellows leave. So it's kind of like a, a mixed bag for me. Obviously, I want to see them stay. But uh, they need to go so that we can like continue to make progress with our team. 
So they're still here. They played our first three matches. Like I said, 1-0 victory at home. Sheffield United, that was great. Uh, this Monday, they played, uh, let's see, West Bromwich Albion, which is a team way down south in England. They have Their stadium is at the highest elevation of any stadium in England. That's a little fun fact about West Bromwich Albion. And I'll tell you what, that, that road game was brutal. That was so rough. I mean, Ismail Asar, my favorite player on the team, he's, I bought a jersey last season. He's the guy's jersey I bought. I love this guy. He scored a goal from, like, midfield. He was on the other half of the field. The goalie was off his line. He just boots the ball and scores in, like, the 12th minute. I'm like, absolutely, we're going to win this game. It's going to be awesome. That was not the case, man. Like, Watford barely had the ball. West Brom were all over us, man. Like, every indicator of who's controlling the game in soccer, that's like, possession. How long do you have the ball? How many shots have you taken? How many shots on target have you had? How many corners have you taken? All these things. West Brom was like leading every single one of those categories for the entirety of the game. Luckily, we scored a wonder goal early. And our our goalkeeper, Daniel Bachman, he's Austrian, he was fantastic. He was doing so good. Um, had some brilliant saves there in the first like, 15 minutes, like three great saves. And he did a lot. He did a really good job. But unfortunately, West Brom scored like the 47th minute, like just before halftime in that extra time period. And that kind of kind of ran flat. It's like, man, that's kind of rough going into halftime. We've been dominated on, on and off the ball. And now, and now the score is tied. I was really nervous that they were going to really drop the ball in the second half. Um, fortunately, the defense held. That was one of the strong parts of that game was, despite us giving away so many shots and so many opportunities, uh, our defense and our goalkeeper did a great job keeping those opportunities out. So it was looking good. About the 72nd minute, uh, Ismail Lasar gets brought down in the box which means that he gets to take the penalty shot. 12 yards out, just him and the keeper, no one in between. And um, I was anxious the whole time because Ismail Lazar is not a good penalty taker. And this was a prime example of that. It was a pitiful, pitiful penalty shot. Easily stopped. That was the only decent shot we had for the rest of the game. Uh, Game ends in a draw, which is kind of a mixed bag because... It is my theory and opinion that in every single draw, there's still a winner and a loser. There's a team that is happy to have the draw and a team that is not happy to have the draw. And I'm not sure which one Watford necessarily are. So on the one hand, we did have the penalty shot in the 72nd minute. That should be our opportunity to take the lead. And and it failed. We didn't take the lead. We didn't take advantage of that opportunity. At the same time, we were getting dominated. We should it's, – it's amazing we only let in one goal. should not have been that close. So, ultimately, I'm happy with the point because it could have been a whole lot worse for us. But, doggone it, we need some better penalty-taking 
at Watford right now. And then today, while I was at the wedding, uh, Watford played Burnley. I believe that was also a home match. I don't know for sure. But I don't have much to say, but I know that Tom Cleverly, our captain, our, our old, old captain, he's not that old, but he's old for soccer players, uh, he scored a goal. We ended up winning 1-0. That's fantastic. That was Burnley was a team that was in the Premier League with us last season, got relegated. And so Watford are off to a strong start. I'm, I'm very pleased. You know, we've got seven points out of a possible nine. That's pretty good. We're scoring goals. We kind of get spread around. Still figuring things out with our new manager, Rob Edwards. Lovely guy. Very handsome. Uh, seems to be doing a lot of good stuff. So hopefully we continue to see some progress out of uh, the Golden Boys over the next good grief. This season's going to last until, like, May. It is a doggone hard season. But uh, very happy. Very happy with the boys. Very happy with the movie I watched this week. I got, like, four and a half hours left of my drive home, and I've recorded a podcast. Like, I'm, I'm obviously making pretty good progress on my day so far. Uh, that's all I got. Man, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope. If you listen to this Monday, because, frankly, why are you listening to podcasts on the weekend? If it's Monday, I hope you had a good weekend. And I hope you have a good week going forward. Like, let's, let's bring some positivity to the world, man. Things are good. Life is good. God is good. We're all blessed. Let's be thankful for it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for dealing with the road noise. I don't know how bad it sounds as I'm recording this, but I'm sure once I put my headphones on and start to edit, it's going to sound bad. But thank you. I love you very much. Have a good week. And uh, until next time.